Welcome to Sort of the Story. I'm Janie. And I'm Max. And this is the podcast where we tell each other stories. And also you're here. Now oh, welcome. We're glad you're here. Yeah. Did you do something new to your hair? It's it's okay. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. You seem to be really happy. <laughs> and that's what matters. And that's all that matters, really. <laughs> what if we turn into mean girls? Turn into? Oh. Oh, got us. Anyway, welcome back, guys. It's been a week. I'm not going to lie. It literally has been. One it's been week. a week it's since been the a last... whole week. <laughs> I am so tired, I want to crawl into a hole like a little beetle that burrows itself. Mm. That's all. That's the whole story about me. That's a pretty good story. Yeah. I had... Sorry. I've already told Max this story, but I just feel like, once again, I need to reiterate. I am an elementary school art teacher, and these little girls who are, like, 10 years old call me over at the lunchroom, and they go, Miss Rabideau, do you like rainbows? And I'm the the fucking art teacher. I was like, yeah, I love rainbows. Rainbows are (laughs) rad. (laughs) Cool, kids. (laughs) And they were like, okay. And so I realized, like, the conversation is over, so I kind of awkwardly turn around. And one of them leans into the other and goes, I told you she was gay. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what a confusing, what a confusing day it was. <laughs> For me, the art teacher, <laughs> apparently liking rainbows is the only way kids can now tell your sexuality. Yeah. I said... Can you imagine if you had just said, like, no, I hate rainbows, I hate colors, and water, and light passing through water in the air, and... And Don't do, don't even get me started on prisms. Don't get me started! (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. It's just, what a... These kids, fucking... (laughs) They're weird. They're weird. (laughs) That's the whole story. Mm -hmm. Found out this week that the kids don't think of me as a teacher... Uh, because I sat down, I was outside during recess watching them. They just changed up my afternoon duty. And, <laughs> duty. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, I sat on the bleachers to, like, you know, watch them play so I wasn't just standing up. And it was in the shade. And a gaggle of fifth grade girls came over, sat down, immediately started braiding my hair, and gave me all the gossip. And the whole time <laughs> I was like, you guys have to stop saying stuff I'm a teacher. You have to stop telling me these weird secrets. I actually don't know. No, stop making fun of the way he walks. I mean, you're right, but like, stop it. (laughs) I left recess with a great braid and so much gossip. I know if this is really depressing, but I know who every single kid whose parents are dead is now in the fifth grade. Hot goss. I know. I'm like, cool. Taking note. I will be nicer to those kids. How was your week? It was good. It was my birthday. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is fine. You guys are two weeks out, but you all left lovely messages for Max. Yes, thank you all so very much. It's the cutest thing ever. Yeah. People it was really love sweet. you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> if you want to leave belated birthday messages for Max, you can do so on our Instagram, our TikTok, our Discord, our Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the story. Yeah. Or you can email her. Pictures of your feet at sort of the story at gmail.com. Please don't. I wouldn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want to just get started? Sure. We... Uh, I have a quick note beforehand. Yeah. In our very first ever sort of off topic, we plug hard a Patreon that doesn't <laughs> exist. We have no Patreon. 
Not yet. Please don't uh, subscribe to our Patreon. That's not us. (laughs) Uh, We have talked about starting one in the future. So uh, if that's something that you would be into, then join us on Discord and drop us a message. And let us know what we could add onto the Patreon. That would make it worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Dropping two bucks or five bucks. Yeah. And that's sort of the story. Yeah, that's sort of sort of <laughs> give us money. Sort of give us sort money. of just give us, but like in the future, not now. <laughs> if you give us money now, we won't know what to do with it. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, let's get started. Let's do it. All right, Janie. All right, Max. As soon as I pressed record, Fig started moaning like a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> she does that sometimes. She, I think she forgets that we're in the house, and she gets really lonely and, she's and scared. So stupid. And she so she starts like howling no, uh, and then as soon as we talk she is relieved and stops she's howling. so stupid <laughs> she's not stupid really she just, you just, she just forgot that we existed <laughs> and she got scared sometimes i forget that i exist we were quiet for all of three seconds <laughs> we we stopped talking for like and then she panicked <laughs> so yeah janie sure the story that I have for you today is a story that you gave me for my birthday. Jeannie got me a collection of stories called Fairies, Elves, and Goblins, The Old Stories by Rosalind Curvin. So the story I brought for you today is from that book that you gave me. So really, it's like you're giving a gift to yourself. I am. And I was. <laughs> <laughs> this book is really beautiful. It has an incredibly beautiful cover and it has illustrations for each of the stories that are like historical paintings and woodcuts and everything of fairies it's leather bound which i think might be the name of the seller it's like leather bound classics so you can get like a whole yeah i think collection this is paper bound but but like um, i think the seller is called leather i'm sorry i think the seller is called leather bound (laughs) gotcha (laughs) yeah it's from batsford publishing and they Mm -hmm. have uh two other books in the series that are they all are like in the same color scheme. Um, in the it's they're very aesthetically pleasing. We'll Beautiful. post a picture on the Instagram. Go check it out at our Instagram at sort of the story. <laughs> oh, um, subtle plug. <laughs> um, but the story that I have for you today is called <laughs> the Farmer and the Bogey. Okay. <laughs> uh, now a bogey, you may not be familiar with the term, is in the same category as like fairies and goblins, kind of. So if you think about the like. Within this mythology, the idea of, like, some fairies are helpful and they're nice. Fairies, like, brownies oftentimes are very helpful and, like, help around the house and stuff like that. Tomties. Yeah. And then there are fairies who kind of mind their own business and if you fuck with them, they fuck with you. Like the little people. Yeah. And then there are fairies that go out of their way to ruin your day. (laughs) (laughs) Like Janie and Max. (laughs) Uh, So in this collection of stories... Rosalind Curvin specifically says that she's using the terminology of saying fairies as kind of the positive mm. and goblins as like the negative end of the spectrum. All right. Um, and so... which end of the spectrum do you land on? Do you like rainbows? Let us know at <laughs> sort of the story at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a bogey is a very bad kind of goblin. They're very rude and very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So. Once upon a time, Mm. there was a farmer, and he had his field, and he took incredible care of it, and he, you know, got a very good yield from his crops every year because of how dutifully he cared for his crop. There was only one problem, and it was that there was a bogey who had claimed his field. Oh, no. (laughs) 
So while he was trying to care for his crops, this bogey would appear and like make fun of him <laughs> and be like, anyways, this is my field. So thank you for doing all this work for me. <laughs> and anytime the farmer would harvest his crops at the end of the season, the bogey would sneak into his storehouse and steal all the crops. And the farmer's like, well, I'm going to starve. So um, <laughs> we've got to find a solution to this. And he tried a couple of things to try and get scare this bogey off and nothing was doing anything. So he realized that what he had to do was to outwit the bogey. Ooh. This is a story about wits. <laughs> Good. A game of wits? What? <laughs> a wit game is a foot? <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> He decides that he's going to trick this bogey into leaving him and his crops alone. He starts his work one morning and the bogey kind of trots and dances up to him and is like, Hello, my slave, my servant. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing all of this work for me in my field and you are my servant. Ha ha ha. And the farmer is like, mm, Mm-hmm. I sure do love being a servant to you. <laughs> Quick thing, though, that I wanted to bring up with you. Uh, I feel like I've been doing really good work, right? And the bogey's like, I mean, good for a servant who's chilling <laughs> my fields. And the, the farmer is like, mm, so here's the thing. If you take all of the crops, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. going to starve to death. And then you won't have anyone to take care of your crops. And that's really inconvenient for you, mm -hmm. I feel like. And I just want to prevent you from having to experience any kind of inconvenience. It's and nice the bogey is like, hmm, hmm, I see, I see your point. <laughs> it would be really inconvenient if you were to stop doing all of this work for me, my servant. <laughs> the farmer's like, well, how about we share the crops, right? I'll take some so that I can stay alive, continue taking care of your, your field. And then you take some. And obviously, you know, we'll split it and you can choose which part you want because, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously you're the master and, you know, <laughs> you, you'll want the good stuff. So I'll let you choose whichever part you want, right? And the bogey's like, yes, well, as long as I'm getting the good end of the deal, then I suppose... <laughs> I suppose that's a good idea, just so long as you don't die. And the farmer's like, oh, that's the goal. So <laughs> Would love to not die. Thank you. <laughs> so the farmer's like, well, why don't we say tops and bottoms? One of us gets the bottom of the crop. The other gets the top. Right? Mm -hmm. The bogey's like, well, <laughs> I know your tricks. You want me to choose the tops of the crop mm. because you think that I think that that means top quality, but I know that you're tricking me. So I'm going to choose the bottoms. And the farmer's like, okay, bottoms of the crops it is. You know, when it's time for the harvest, I will bring you your bottoms of the crop. Uh, if you're sure that's what you want. And the bogey's like, you can't trick me. I'm not going to change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I was ever on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, I think this would also be my tactic. I'm like, you can't trick me. I'm not changing. What are you doing? <laughs> the whoever replaced Regis is going to be like, I, I just... I'm not trying to trick you. <laughs> no, well, good, because you can't. Because <laughs> I'm way smarter than I'm you. I'm so smart. So, good luck. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm changing my answer. <laughs> so, so the bogey's like, so I will take the bottoms, the master's share, and there's nothing you can say to change my mind. And the farmer's like, absolutely, my liege. Mm -hmm. I will inform you. When the harvest is done, unless you want to help me with any of the farm stuff. And the bogey's like, nope, bye, bitch, and walks away. <laughs> so the farmer goes and he sows his seeds and he waits for them to sprout. And finally, over the course of the summer, they grow up to their full size. And what he has sown is wheat. So he goes and he harvests the wheat and he takes for himself 
the tops of the wheat, mm-hmm. which is, you know, his promised share, and leaves for the bogey just the stalks that you can't really do anything <laughs> with. And so at harvest time, the bogey comes to his door and knocks and says, hello, I'm here for my tithe yeah. servant. <laughs> Puts out his hands and is like, give me it. <laughs> Bottoms only, please. <laughs> Woo! Um, and the farmer is like, Done. Great. Uh, I actually, I have them all bagged up for you. Here you go. Here's your, here's your bottoms. And uh, the bogey's like, well, this fucking sucks. <laughs> this is, this just sticks. I don't need these. Aww. And the farmer's like, well, I mean, I, you did say that you were sure that that's what you wanted. And, you know, fairy law says you have to keep your promise. <laughs> and so the bogey's like, fine. <laughs> and he watches as the farmer, like, threshes his wheat and, like, makes it into beautiful flour and everything, and he's just seething in the field. He's like, mm, stupid servant! <laughs> <laughs> so, the next spring rolls around, and the farmer packs up his things and goes to buy seeds in town, and the bogey stops him, mm-hmm. jumps out of nowhere, and is like, no, hello, excuse me, <laughs> um, we had a deal, and I would like to change my choice for this year. This year, you will not trick me again. I will take the tops of your crops. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take them. That's for me. And the farmer's like, of course. I, you know, it is entirely your choice. You are the master and whatever you say goes. <laughs> and the bogey's like, good, yes. <laughs> good. <laughs> good. So the tops for me then. And the farmer's like, the tops for you, are you sure? <laughs> and the bogey's like, yes, tops only. Only the tops. That's what I deserve. (laughs) And so the farmer goes into town and he buys his seeds and he sows them in his field and then they sprout. And when harvest time comes, he harvests his mighty field, his big old crop of radishes. No! (laughs) And he cuts off the wilty radish greens and he puts them all together and the bogey comes up to his door and says, Hello! <laughs> I've come for my tops, the good part. The part that I deserve. Tops Give off, to gentlemen, me. let's go! <laughs> Give me the tops, the good parts. Give them to me. <laughs> and the farmer's like, Of course, my liege, absolutely. <laughs> and he hands him a bag of, like, wilty oh. turnip greens. Isn't radish greens and turnip greens, aren't those, like, kind of delicious? They can be, but... They're not as delicious as the delicious, delicious radishes. Yeah, and also, I mean, they wilt really quickly, and they're only good when they're fresh. So, (laughs) partially because the bogey didn't help, you know, they're probably all wilty now. (laughs) And I I think it is... Is it radishes or is it turnips? Because I get them confused. Turnips. It's turnips. All right. (laughs) Um, And the farmer is like, and I will be here with my meager stock of turnips, which I, as the lower of the two of us, deserve. (laughs) Bottoms only for me. And he has this big, (laughs) lush crop of big, delicious turnips. And (laughs) the bogey's like, oh, you! (laughs) So he runs away. And then the next morning, he comes to the farmer's house and he knocks. He says, hello, servant. And the farmer's like, yes, my lord, Mm -hmm. what can I do for you? And he says, I will not be tricked again. Mm-mm. I'm tired of your cheating. And so we will solve this once and for all. Next year, you will sow wheat in your fields. Mm. And then at the end of the season, when it comes to harvest time, you and I will have a little competition. We will split the field down the middle and we will both take our scythes and whichever one of us can reap all of the wheat the fastest gets the entire year's crop. Mm. So there, that will solve it once and for all, and you can't cheat, because you can't. It would be impossible, and I'm smarter than you, so I would see it coming. So, (laughs) 
So there. And the farmer's like, absolutely, my liege. (laughs) Wheat for next year. We split it. We chop it. And then we'll see, you know, I'm sure you will, of course, prove your supremacy to me <laughs> uh, since you're so much better, cooler, hotter, and smarter than me. And harder, the better, like, faster, stronger. <laughs> <laughs> and the bogey's like, great, good, that's what I wanted. So, bye, sucker. And then just <laughs> double birds him and goes like, <laughs> and walks away backwards. <laughs> so, I love this bogey so much. <laughs> great, good. <laughs> So the next year, the farmer goes out and he buys his wheat and he sows it in the field. (laughs) And as it comes close to time to harvest, the stalks are getting taller and taller. The farmer finishes what he has to do for the day. And then he goes into town to the blacksmith and he has a very special request for the blacksmith. Mm. And he has the blacksmith make for him hundreds of thin iron rods. Mm -hmm. And then he takes the rods home. He goes to the half of the field that has been promised to the bogey and he sticks the rods in the ground, so they're sticking up in between the wheat. Mm-hmm. Just only on the bogey's half of the field, mm-hmm. right? And the bogey sees him doing this, and he's like, mm, Servant, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think you're doing to my crops? And the farmer's like, oh, it's a it's a new method of fertilizing. It's supposed to make... I just want to make sure that your side is really especially wonderful this year. So, you know, this is just, I, you know, this is just going to make it even better on your side. And the bogey's like, well, then good. <laughs> My crops should be the best. <laughs> I'm imagining. Continue. Don't what, stop. <laughs> I'm imagining the bogey being played by Keenan Thompson from SNL. <laughs> Servant. <laughs> like, that's the voice you're doing. And now I love him so much more. <laughs> He's like, well, good. Why did you stop? Continue to fix my crops so that they'll be extra good. And the farmer's like, yes, of course. Absolutely. And so he puts all these rods in amongst the wheat. Mm-hmm. And then... The harvest day comes and the bogey knocks on the farmer's door at the crack of dawn and is like, well, (laughs) the day of your reckoning has come. It is our contest. Take your scythe. Let us compete. (laughs) So the farmer takes up his scythe and they each go to their, the top of their separate halves of the wheat field. And the farmer says, bogey, whenever you're ready, just let me know. And the bogey goes, go. (laughs) And the farmer's like, it jumps and the bogey shoots off <laughs> straight into the wheat super fast chopping and he's like ha 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 gotcha head start <laughs> you'll never get up now <laughs> the farmer's like okay and then starts with his scythe and he starts to reap the wheat meanwhile the the bogey is racing through his wheat and he is reaping it at, a, at an inhuman speed yeah obviously because he's, because he's a fairy. yeah um and <laughs> then suddenly there's a loud clang as his scythe hits one of these iron rods that the farmer has put in there. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> also, it's iron. Um, Isn't that, like, bad for fairies of all sorts? Uh, it's not mentioned in this story that, huh. that it is. But in, in most fairy lore, like, iron is bad for them. Yeah. But it not mentioned in this story. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the bogey hits his scythe against this iron rod with a loud clang and he's like what is this and the farmer is like mm, and just like keeps working and so the bogey's like oh! and he starts going even faster and he keeps hitting against these iron rods as he's trying Ugh. to reap the wheat just clang 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 until his scythe is so dull no. that it takes him like five chops to get through a bushel of wheat and he has barely finished a quarter of the field mm-hmm. when the farmer is done with his half and the bogey says this 
isn't fair. You cheated, and I will not have a cheater in my employ. <laughs> Your punishment is that you don't get to be my servant anymore. I leave this field to you, you criminal. Goodbye. <laughs> and then he runs away. <laughs> oh. And the farmer never sees the bogey again. His troubles are over, and he has, at last, a big, beautiful crop of wheat, just for him. <laughs> oh, yay! <laughs> okay, legitimately, that was one of my favorite stories you've ever told. <laughs> you did such a good job! Thanks, man! <laughs> I think you should save that for if we ever do a live show for children only. <laughs> yeah. So fun! I was just reading it and giggling. It's such a fun story. So this is, um, this is Arns Thompson Uther Type 1030, Crop Division between man and ogre and there are a lot of stories hmm. that fit into this classification i've linked in our show notes for this um someone did a really great roundup of a bunch of different stories from a bunch of different sources of this type 1030 there's like there's a fox and wolf story there's hmm. a fox and bear story there's stories about like an old woman who outwits the devil and stuff like that and these are all this kind of like dividing it up and then the mowing contest specifically hmm. is Arns Thompson Uther type 1090. So the bottoms and tops is 1030. Yeah. And the mowing contest is 1090. Oh my god. Um, and so... I assume that one is just full of stories about suburban dads <laughs> in like high socks <laughs> mowing their lawns next to each other angrily. <laughs> Jingleberg <laughs> mustaches twitching. <laughs> <laughs> but this story is originally from Northamptonshire, England. Hmm. Take another run at that. Georgia. Northamptonshire, England. Sure. And as I said, this is collected in the, the the collection Fairies, Elves, and Goblins: The Old Stories. It's also available in various different iterations online. So I have a link to that as well. But I just really like this grumpy fairy. That was fantastic. <laughs> that put me in the best mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love a good trick. I thought I had heard most of the, like, you know, uh, I've heard a lot of the tropes of, like, I'm going to trick this person, this, like, evil entity or whatever, and mm -hmm. all that. I Like, I've heard a lot of those, and reading this one, I did not know where it was going, <laughs> and that was really exciting for me. I just love, I love a good game of wits, man. That was fantastic. <laughs> that was fantastic. Thank you. Good job. Thanks, Mia. <laughs> um, I have one that's a little more of a bummer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <Let's>, Love it. <laughs> let's end on a on a fun note. <laughs> cool. You want to take a minor, minor break? Mm -hmm. I don't know why I said it. Minor, minor. Breaker, breaker. <laughs> guys, I watched Pacific Rim. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe we haven't talked about Pacific Rim yet. Oh, my God. Guys, I finally watched Pacific Rim. Max has been wanting this for literally the entirety of our friendship. Yeah. Uh, Pacific Rim is one of my favorite movies of all time. And now it's one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> JD compared it to the Fast and Furious movies, which is the highest possible compliment that she can award. It really is. Um, it's, it's up there. It is so good. Yeah. It was great. We had a great time. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um... um Let's see, Charlie Hunnam, mm -hmm. perfect. The woman who plays Nakamori, mm -hmm. perfect. Idris Elba, perfect. Charlie Day, perfect. Everyone, perfect. Ron Perlman. Well, fucking Ron Perlman, who Max might be for Halloween. I might be uh, Hannibal Chow for Halloween, and I'm really excited. Ugh. If we do that, then I'll post a picture on the Instagram. But <laughs> So good. And I'm going to go as a big old Jaeger. <laughs> <laughs> And summer can be a little kaiju. Oh my god, perfect. <laughs> okay, let's take our break. <laughs> let's do it. Okay, Max. Oh, okay, Janie. That made me dancey. Okay, so I'm pulling from a book 
called Fearless Girls, Wise Women, and Beloved Sisters, Heroines in Folktales from Around the World, collected by Kathleen Reagan. She's an Australian woman. Mm. <laughs> Pretty cool. It's a very fun collection, and it really is from all over the world. It's one of those great collections and anthologies that literally is like very specifically from as many different countries as they possibly can without repeating as many countries. So it's kind of fun. And like in there, there's a bunch of like Native American tales and it's great. My only complaint is it's not as sourced cited, I guess, Mm -hmm. as somebody like Changa Barag Zalka, but also... We can't all be great genius masterminds like Chenga. <laughs> Notice us, please. <laughs> Chenga is at the Scots Storytelling Festival right now in Scotland. Uh, yeah, I am so jealous. Also, Fairies, Elves, and Goblins, the old stories. I was having a really hard time because there are a bunch of stories in this. And at the end, rather than saying, like, this story is from here, mm-hmm. they were just like, here's all the books that I used. And I was like, that's not helpful no, at not all. Helpful. <laughs> but you know what? You could tell that they started at least thinking of it by including them. Yeah. But... Again, just now we look for it everywhere is we want to know the exact person and human that told you the story. (laughs) Okay. I took a story, a Swahili story Mm. called A Woman for a Hundred Cattle. And Mm. I'm excited to tell you about it. Mm. Let's begin. (laughs) I like this agriculture day we're doing. Ooh, yeah. I like it. Okay. There once was a young man who lived in the land of Pata. I don't know what that means, actually. I meant to look that up. But uh, Land of Pata, if you're from there, hit us up. Let us know. I think our only confirmed listener from the continent of Africa is Nigerian. Mm -hmm. It's the one. God, I hope they still listen. Me too. We haven't checked on them in a while. Hey, if you're our one listener from Nigeria, why haven't you reached out yet? (laughs) We want to be your friend. We're your biggest fans. We really are. Uh, you know what? That, we don't actually know if they are. That could be like the Nigerian Shakira and we're over here like, no, we are your biggest fans. <laughs> anyway, his parents' fortune, this young man, consisted of 100 cattle, which is huge, right? Especially for the town that he lived in. He was doing very well. There wasn't a single calf among them. And so it was just the straight 100. His father died when he was 15. And then several years later, his mom died, and he inherited the 100 cattle completely, and then was just alone. So after mourning her death for, like, an appropriate amount of time, he goes to his neighbor, who's a matchmaker, and is like, hey, I need a wife. I'm all alone now. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's lonely, and also I need somebody to take care of me that my mom's dead. (laughs) So um, find me a woman. I need a woman to live with. I really like the idea that this is, like, two and a half men spinoff, but it's a man and a hundred cows. <laughs> Just a sitcom about a guy and all his cows. He's like, I need a woman. These cows aren't cutting it anymore. <laughs> I can't tell them that because they'll get jealous. <laughs> so his neighbor promises to find a woman that would be suitable for him to marry and then sets off at once. And eventually he comes back and says, like, hey... I found this amazing woman, but she's not from our town. (laughs) She's actually from like eight hours away. And he's like, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. (laughs) Eight hours away, you say. A woman? Uh, Yeah, I I could hear more. (laughs) Those are the two things that I know about her. Uh, And they said, she's the daughter of a very rich man named Abdallah. And Abdallah is super rich, owns 6,000 cattle, which obviously is many more than his 100. 60 um, times? As mu- many. As many. As much. As much. <laughs> <laughs> and his daughter was the only child Abdallah had. He didn't have any other daughters or sons. It was just this girl. And so he tells 
the young man all of this. And then he also says, however, Abdallah has a rule. Whoever wants to marry his daughter has to pay 100 cattle as a bride price. And the young man is like conflicted because that's all his cattle. He only has 100 cattle. That's where all of his wealth comes from. 100 cattle. Also, what a missed opportunity to call it a bride bribe. A bride bride. <laughs> a bribed. A bread. Bread. <laughs> Uh, it's a beef bridge. <laughs> so the matchmaker... Beef for a weef. <laughs> he's like, I need some time to think about this before we've... <laughs> the matchmaker's like, okay, but you like don't have any time. You have to be kind of fast because she's kind of a prize. So tell me yes or no and I'll give him the answer tomorrow. So he's like panicking and he finally says like, ah, fuck it. Tell him I accept my 100 cattle for his daughter. Hmm. Not smart. He also, needs a financial advisor. <laughs> What if this guy just had 61 daughters and that's how he got all his cattle? Ooh, that'd be fun. Except that it's not. We already know that she's his only daughter. Well, only remaining unmarried daughter. And that's not what they said. Well. So the two were wedded. <laughs> I almost said welded. Mm. So the two <laughs> they got welded together. <laughs> the two were reading is hard. The two were wedded and they had this beautiful wedding celebration and this huge, beautiful feast. And then afterwards, the young man takes his new bride to his house. And for 10 days, they live on the provisions that he had saved up. Mm-hmm. And the nothing else that he owns and in the entire world. After that, nothing is left. Not a single thing. And he tells her the bad news. He's like, hey, before we got married, I kind of lived off of my cattle. Uh, he would milk them and then use their milk to make food. And he would sell it for money. And now... There's no more food left in the house. He didn't tell her this until they had run out of food completely. And he's like, cool, but I traded them for you, so it's kind of romantic. And she's like, that's not romantic at all. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <We're gonna> die. <laughs> Hello? And so he's like, don't worry. I'm going to go to the neighbors, and I guess I'll just beg them if I can have some of the milk from their cows so that we can eat. And she's like... Okay. But then that's just a little bit of milk, and then after you drink that, then you'll be starving again. This becomes, this is a quote, this becomes his occupation. He would go out, milk other people's cows, and then use that milk. And I put, for free? For free? <laughs> you can't milk a cow that you don't own. I was thinking of John Mulaney Why throughout this. Why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? <laughs> oh my god, I could not stop hearing John Mulaney's voice telling this story to me. <laughs> oh my god, well now this is your milk. Now this is your cow. Oh my gosh. And so... I don't know how this becomes his occupation. Unless he's, like, milking their cows and then end payment and he gets some of the milk. This makes more sense. Maybe. But that's not what it says. It says Professional his... milk boy. <laughs> A little milk boy. <laughs> uh, one day, his wife is standing by their door and she's kind of just, like, looking out and I guess thinking about how terrible her life is now <laughs> and how her life was pretty good before and how there were lots of suitors around. And this fucker lies his way in and now she's going to die of being... Only fed milk forever. <laughs> and God, that house must smell awful. <laughs> oh my God. And so this very handsome young man walks by. And the second he sees her standing there, he's like instantly horny. He sends a quote unquote procurer. Mm. And then I wrote, gross. This town is full of gross men. <laughs> Everyone's job is either milk or be milked. <laughs> Oof. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> milk or be milked. <laughs> Anyway, in the game of milk, you milk or you get milked. 
<laughs> milk. So <laughs> milk. Milk. <laughs> so he sends this procurer to talk to her and ask if she'd possibly consider having sex with a stranger. <laughs> and the woman's like, hmm, okay, wait a little longer until I've made up my mind. I don't have an answer just now, so like hold up and then I'll get back to you. And then I wrote the first rule of business. K-Y-O-O. Q Keep your options open. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Q! You guys can use that if you're business professionals. (laughs) So three months go by, and she doesn't get back to him (laughs) because she's like, fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) Wait forever, you bitch. And one day, the woman's father thinks to himself, I should probably see how my only child is doing. I have not been keeping up with her. Hmm. You're a bad dad. I wonder how she's doing. Well, he's been over there with all of his 6,100 cattle <laughs> hanging out, rolling around in a field of cattle. <laughs> 525,600 cattle. cattle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one day, there's a knock at their door, and the woman opens it and is surprised to see her dad is standing there. And he's like, hey, I've come to visit. And she's like, really conflicted because she's super excited to see her dad. She's missed him. She's been having a terrible time. She Mm -hmm. loves her dad, everything. But also she realizes she doesn't have any food in the house to feed him. And she's like, what am I going to do? I can't tell him that we're struggling. I don't know what to do. And so she goes to the kitchen and she just kind of starts sobbing and like looking around for literally anything and not finding anything and feeling so helpless. So she sneaks out the back door and she goes and finds that man who tried to solicit sex from her earlier. Oh my god. I know. And she says, like, hi, do you remember me? And he's like, oh yeah. And then he reminds her that she told him to wait for an answer and uh, never got back to him. And then he tells her that his blue balls were so painful he would probably die soon. And the only cure was for her to have sex with him. And then she'd literally be saving a life and then she could go back to the fray and tell them... Uh, how to save a life, and they could write a follow-up song, and it would top the charts. <laughs> That's all in the story. <laughs> which sex is weird. with a stranger. <laughs> you gotta do it to save a life. <laughs> <laughs> if any stranger wants to have sex with you, you could possibly be saving a life. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, it's us, the fray. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, guys! Please don't embarrass us by asking for our autographs or any more singing. <laughs> So Also, don't ask our names, because although we are members of the frame, yeah, we yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. the names of the members okay. of the frame. Okay, one of them is probably Stephen, and one of them is probably Michael. Yeah. It's us, Stephen and Michael. <laughs> Stephen and Mike from the fray. <laughs> oh my god, it's us, Stephen and Michael, here to bring you to Class- the fray. <laughs> Classic Stevie Mikey. Oh. Uh, <laughs> hanging out with Stephen and Mike. Should we change our names? Yeah. Okay. So, she tells him. She tells him. <laughs> yep. She tells him. You don't have to wait any longer. I care about your blue balls, and I believe you. And Hashtag real. believe men. And she's like, if you'll give me just, like, a piece of meat for my guest, then I will come back here and have sex with you. That, ask for more. Mm. And so he's ask like... Ask for more! He's like, who's your guest? And she's like, it's my dad. And he's like, say no more! And he immediately runs inside all giddily, and he grabs that meat, and he runs too fast, and you're gonna be really sad for him. I know oh my you God, were... Does he die? He runs too fast, and he hits his poor, engorged sky blue balls against each other, and then he has to sit down and cry because it hurts so bad. He could have died, Max. Oh, my God. Anyway, believe men. So she brings that meat home, and she begins to prepare it. And while she's doing that, her terrible husband comes home, and he's also surprised and embarrassed to see his father-in-law sitting in his house. So he greets him uh, politely, and it says, as is custom, and I was like... How much anxiety 
would be alleviated from us if we had a customary greeting already like set up. That's genius. Yeah, I wish we had that specifically for the podcast. Yeah, like an <laughs> intro that we write down and do every time. We kind of do. I feel like we've kind of nailed it lately. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> he greets him, he talks pleasantly, and then he goes back to the kitchen to see his wife. And he's like, hey, oh, fuck, what are we going to do? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, where'd you get that meat? And she's like, one of our neighbors gave it to me. And he's like, cool, that's going to be enough for our meal tonight. But like, he's going to stay for a little while. How are we going to feed him? And she's like, literally... I don't know. I went out and did my part getting this meal right here. (laughs) And so he's like, okay, don't worry. I'm going to go to our rich neighbors and beg for food. (laughs) So uh, off I go. No worries. And then he goes off to do that. And his neighbors. Yes. And so his neighbors go off and they do take like pity on him and they give him some milk and meat and he brings it back. And he's like, "Mm, my favorite. (laughs) Milk and meat. (laughs) I'll eat milk. (laughs) And so back at the house, she has finished cooking the meat that she got from that gross dude. And her husband returns with the food he had begged for and she puts it to the side. And then he washes his hands and he sits back down at his father-in-law, letting her finish up the meal preparations. And they're shooting the shit and just talking. And he's like lying to him a bunch. I hate this man. Yes. Every man in the story is terrible. So at this time, how could it get worse? Oh, no. That gross dude is like, I'm tired of waiting for her. She said she'd be back. And now I've been waiting for way too long. And so he hobbles his way over, <laughs> limping, dragging his poor balls along the floor, Max. And um, he goes right up to her house and he finds her father and her husband sitting in the hall and they have no idea that he's there to take advantage of this woman and so they're like hey come on in why don't you join us for a meal and chatting and he does he's like sure and so (laughs) all three of these men are now sitting here pretending everything's all right the only one that knows that everything is that doesn't know everything's all right is the father who's like this is great (laughs) i'm Mm -hmm. having a good time with the boys (laughs) Just me and the boys. Me and the boys. And my daughter. So eventually, the woman comes (laughs) in. She comes back in. The daughter now comes in. Mm. And she has this meat on a serving platter. And she throws it down in front of them and says, eat now, you three fools. (laughs) And her father is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Weird energy, my daughter. Why am I a fool? (laughs) I'm just here for a visit. And she tells him, quote, my father, you have sold an expensive object for a cheap one. We, we'll talk about her calling herself an object later, but mm-hmm. you know what? She's not wrong in this sense. Yeah, I mean, he did. Yeah. And so he's like, what does that mean? And she's like, me. I'm talking about, I'm clearly talking about me. I am the expensive object and you fucking just gave me away. You sold me for a hundred cattle. Meanwhile, you have 6,000 cattle. You valued a hundred cattle over my life. So you're a fool. You're a stupid idiot. Also, possibly a cow hoarder. Yeah, also you have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta stop buying cows, You wonder why you don't have any other children? It's because you keep fucking all those cows. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So he agrees, sadly. He's like, okay, yeah, I'm a fool. I'm sorry. And he feels bad. And then her husband has the gall to ask, why am I a fool? What did I do? And I thought, are you fucking kidding me, bro? (laughs) And so she tells him, you inherited a hundred cattle from your parents. All you had was 100 cattle and there was not a single calf among them. And then you took them all 
and you exchanged them for me, a human woman. And yet there are so many eligible women in your fucking town who would have only off they would have only required like 10 or 20 cattle and you could have actually, I don't know, fed them and been a good person and instead you come to me, take me out of my comfortable life and now we're going to starve to death? You're a fucking idiot. Do I need to go on? You think a good living plan is you begging door to door? <laughs> you fucking idiot. Damn. <laughs> yes. And then I also, she makes a point to be like, you had a hundred cattle and now you're living off of the charity of people with cattle. You had them. <laughs> you don't feel like an idiot all the time. I don't know what to do for you. <laughs> and he's like, cool, cool. Yep. No, I'm an idiot. Sorry. And he's like super embarrassed because she just said all of this in front of his father-in-law who thought he was doing fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so finally... That super gross dude is like, okay, but I'm not a fool. (laughs) And then she looks at him and she just goes, quote, you wanted to get with a single quarter of beef what had been bought for a hundred cattle. You're a fool. And he he now realizes that she just said this in front of her father and her husband that he was trying to take advantage of her. And he just jumps up and runs as fast as he can without a single other word. He just runs away. I want her to beat his ass. I want her to wreck him. He just keeps to, running. To death, he just keeps, and legend has it, he's still running to this very day. <laughs> uh, and so her father, after two days with them, he goes home. And when he gets back to his house, he unhobbles the hundred cattle he had received. And he sends them back to his daughter's house so she could be taken care of and live in comfort. And that's the end of the story. But she's still stuck with that asshole. She is, but she got her fucking cattle back. And now that guy has lost his oh, fucking... Great. He's more been emasculated milk, for life. <laughs> more milk and meat forever, Milk I guess. and beef. Milk and beef. Uh, uh, okay, so Kathleen Reagan does make a note at the end of the story about why she likes it. And she mentions that this story mirrors Rumpelstiltskin in very specific ways. Mm-hmm. She says, basically, Rumpelstiltskin is a story of a woman who is passed around between three terrible men, right? First, her stupid, useless father, then a really cruel king, and then also Rumpelstiltskin, this little man who refuses to help her until she makes a bargain for her firstborn child because he knows that she ha- she cannot refuse him. Mm-hmm. And she says that the woman in this story, a woman for a hundred cattle, is also passed along by her stupid rich dad to a stupid useless husband and then to a terrible gross dude who would only help her if she agrees to have sex with him, which is taking advantage of somebody and it is not a viable contract and that's not an okay thing to do. It's a very illegal thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so she does mention that unlike in Rumpelstiltskin, who that woman, she doesn't have a good ending. She like literally she only gets her baby back out of happenstance and another man has to help her. She's pretty useless throughout the entire story. It's still one of our favorite episodes. I believe it's <laughs> I believe it's uh, episode 17, How to Economy. It's very fun. <laughs> I think you should go listen to that. Um, also, Joe Manganiello's in it. Yeah, also, Joe Manganiello's in that story. <laughs> uh, unlike in Rumpelstiltskin, though, this woman gets to put them all in their place. She gets to, like, publicly emasculate them, and she has a lot of agency, and she's kind of a badass, and she's kind of funny, and you get to see a woman with more self-confidence, and it's more satisfying in the Mm -hmm. end that she does this for herself it's still not a great ending in my opinion because like you said she still has to stay with that dude but in the boundaries of the culture that she is in this is like best case scenario 
I think her father should have given her the hundred cattle, specifically her and not her husband. It doesn't say that he doesn't do that. It says specifically he sends it back so she can live a good life. Yeah, but, like, I think that her husband should, you know. (laughs) Perish? Yeah. I mean, he... If all he knows how to do is take care of cows, then, first of all, his cholesterol's got to be through the roof. He'll die soon. <laughs> He'll die soon. Go but on. also, like, clearly he has no sense whatsoever. He None. has no common None. sense. And she has already demonstrated, like, kind of better business sense than him. Yeah. She should be in charge of the cattle. I hope she is. Again, it doesn't say that she's Also, not. he should die. Yeah, he should just die. He and that other guy should be running at night trying to get away from her and then run into each other and smash their stupid fucking little heads together and, and then also, they explode. <gasps> I'm sorry, Summer. Not all men. We get it. <laughs> God, my sexist dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they smash into each other and their balls uh, explode. <laughs> and then they die from both. balls exploding. Yeah. Uh, so one more thing. I found this recent. I was like, I want to see more about this story and if it pops up anywhere else. And I couldn't find anything on it. But I did find this research paper called uh, The More Than Beautiful Woman, African Folk Tales of Female Agency and Emancipation by Ayub Sheikh, published in 2018. <laughs> and uh, the abstract, I'm going to read you the abstract, okay? Mm-hmm. It's kind of long, but it's, tell me this isn't right up our fucking alley. Yeah. Quote, this study draws on examples of African folklore that resist or subvert patriarchal control manipulation, exclusion, and the oppression of women. Folklore is replete with the power relations and stereotypes that manifest in gender. In most cases, women are represented as passive and subservient, relegated to supporting the male protagonist, or caricatured as the foreboding and evil witch archetype. The narratives selected here contradict, challenge, or satirize androcentric authority, both overtly and covertly. This study draws on Swahili, Sudanese, Senegalese, and Zulu folktales, that each illustrate the emancipatory and disruptive potential of female power, resilience, wisdom, and agency. The extraordinary female characters that populate these stories reinforce feminine power and compellingly appropriate respect, justice, and equality by turning masculine binaries on their head. Drawing on the resources of narratology, this study illustrates how these narrative frames authenticate female agency and are restorative and empowering to the African woman's psyche. Finally, this study illustrates how the wisdom of folklore, myth, fantasy, and social history can instigate social change and egalitarian relations while celebrating the women of Africa as key protagonists profound in their power as in their humanity. I love that. It seems so good. So fascinating, right? I was like, hell yeah. So I went to go read it and it's under a paywall and you have to pay $47 for two days of access. No. And uh, I'm not going to do that. However, if any of you want to do that, because it sounds genuinely fascinating, I put the link up there just in case you want to. If you're make, if you're writing a thesis on women in folklore or just feminism in Africa, I suggest figuring out how to get this article. Yeah. Because it seems fascinating. It's also, I've read in a bunch of places, uh, this might not be true, this is just, mm-hmm. uh, but I've read in a bunch of places that, I mean... Authors of these articles don't see any of that money. No. Uh, And they also retain full rights to that publication. So a lot of times if you have an article like that that is behind a paywall, you can just send an email to the author and be like, hey, I would really love to read this. Do you mind? And they will just send it to you for free. Because they would rather... contact Ayub Sheik. Yeah. Because, yeah, a lot of times authors just want their work out there, but because of the way that... Publications like like this work. Journal publishing and stuff like that in academic spheres works. A lot of times it is... I mean, it's exploitative of the authors in many cases. 100%. So. And also, this is such a cool 
research topic that sounds like it w- is well written. Yeah. That it makes no sense that it would be behind a paywall. So yes. anyway, but I might do that. And then if I do get my hands on it and they say it's okay, because once you pay the money, then you can like download it and print it and stuff like that. And it's like, the fuck? <laughs> $50? That's a lot. No. That's a lot. And uh, again, the author doesn't see that money most of the time. So mm-hmm. academic scholarship is a con. Scam. <laughs> anyway, uh, fun. Yeah. Guys, agriculture. Agriculture. The agriculture episode. Oh, all those ag heads are going to come out of the woodwork. What's <laughs> <laughs> up all my ag hags? Hey, Let's get to hags. it this week. Uh, I got a couple stories for you about animal husbandry, a couple stories about crop cycling. Oh, and... this wheat is on fleek. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Mansion Yellow's in this episode. <laughs> come on out, Joe. <laughs> Um, okay, so guys, <laughs> if you liked this, leave us a fun and nice review on Apple Podcasts, which I think is the only place that we can really get written reviews. Mm-mm. But do it. I read them all. They're very fun. We have some really nice ones. Yes. And don't follow our Patreon. Um, we don't have one. <laughs> we don't have one. If we do, we will let you know. And yeah, have a great fucking rest of your day, you nerds. <laughs> I don't know. I felt like we were being too nice to them for some reason. Uh, <laughs> guys, have a great one. Bye. Goodbye. I don't know what song that is. It's our song. Oh, Yeah. By Elton John? No, by Taylor Swift. Oh, I know that's your song. Our song is the slam screen doors. Oof. That's our song. It's us slamming screen doors over and over again to get attention. (laughs) We don't even have a screen door. Or really impressive. Mm -hmm. Be a really bad superpower to be able to conjure screen doors, specifically to slam them. Okay, when would that be useful? In what situation would it be useful to be able to just conjure a screen door? If you're being attacked by mosquitoes. Or if you're being mugged. (laughs) They, like, have a gun at your face and you're like, okay, but consider this. And then you blink and there's just a screen door between you and your mugger. And they're like, oh, sorry. Uh, Knock, knock, knock. (laughs) Can I come in? And then you look through your screen door and say, uh, sorry, what can I do for you? And they're like, oh, I was, uh, wait a minute. (laughs) And you're already running away. (laughs) Classic. Classic.